Hi, Rebels. This Financial Literacy Month, Rebel Girls teamed up with Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families, to bring you everything you need to be smart with your money and to build healthy habits that last a lifetime. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to make smart choices with every penny, whether you're saving for something special or learning to invest. Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlight.com slash rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life. Once upon a time, there was a girl who would help thousands of women find their voices and tell their stories. Her name is Zainab. Born in 1969, Zainab grew up in a two-storey home nestled within a grove of eucalyptus trees in Baghdad, Iraq. The scent of eucalyptus wafted through the air, and when it rained, Zainab and her brothers would splash around while her father made paper boats for them. Zainab's father Basil was a pilot, and her mother Alia was a biology teacher. Alia sometimes told Zainab stories of the difficulties women faced around the world. One day, when Zainab was still quite young, Alia pulled her aside. You must be independent, Alia said fiercely. You must be strong. You must not let anybody hurt you or talk to you in the wrong way. Zainab stared into her mother's large brown eyes and nodded. She wanted to be strong like her mother and help other women be strong too. She could not know it then, but the challenges Zainab would face in her own life would one day lead her to do just that. I'm Philomena Quell, and this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, a fairy tale podcast about the rebel women who inspire us. This week, Zainab Salbi, an Iraqi women's rights activist, writer, and public speaker. When Zainab was 10 years old, She came home one evening to find her mother waiting anxiously at the door. Where have you been? Alia asked, hurrying Zainab inside. Iraq had invaded its neighbour Iran, and as of that afternoon, their country was at war. Zainab and her family hid from air raids as bombs shook the ground and toppled buildings around them. Neighbours sent their sons, fathers and husbands off to fight unsure if they would come back. But Zainab's parents were friends with someone who was very powerful, Saddam Hussein, Iraq's president, who would develop a very bad reputation around the world in the years to come. He arranged to make them a special file of documents that would keep them safe. Zainab had been worried about the secret police coming in the middle of the night and sending them away. But with these special papers, They were safe. Alia wrapped Zainab in her arms. Don't worry, honey, 
Alia reassured her. Iraq will always be our home. But everything had a price. And as it happened, being friends with Saddam Hussein had a very, very steep cost. As the war ground on, Zainab watched her parents carefully. She would often find them whispering to each other, their bodies tense with fear. One day, Saddam Hussein asked Zainab's father to be his personal pilot. Zainab thought this was exciting news, but her mother and father did not. Zainab was told to call Saddam Amul, our uncle. He came to their house often, and whenever he asked anything of them, they had to do it. Amu seemed friendly enough to Zainab, but as she got older, she heard rumours of his cruelty and of the many people he hurt, including his own Iraqi people. I feel like a bird in a cage, Alia once told her daughter. Don't ever let yourself be a bird in a cage, Zainab. Always be a free spirit. I promise, Mama, Zainab said. But was this a promise she could keep? As the blanket of fear grew around Zainab's family, Zainab saw one way out. She would become a translator and move abroad. So, she went to college in Baghdad and learned English, French and Arabic. It was her first step towards freedom. Then, one day, Alia came to her daughter, her eyes shining with excitement. A man in America had asked to marry Zainab. La la la, Mama, Zainab said. No, no, no. Zainab was hurt. She wanted to focus on her studies. She wanted to marry for love. She thought her mum wanted her to be independent. You want a career. You want to see the world. You want freedom, Alia said. How can you ever find any of those things here? And for Zainab's mother, it was important to get her daughter away from Saddam Hussein. So, Zainab agreed to move to Chicago to get away from Amul and the fear that smothered her family. The war had recently ended, and as Zainab flew away from her home city, its light sparkling beneath her, she wiped tears from her eyes. But she would not give up on her dreams to educate herself and to be independent. Zainab arrived in Chicago and got married. Her husband did not treat her well. It was like she had traded one tyrant for another. Zainab didn't know what to do. She felt very alone. Finally, after her husband hurt her one night, Zainab couldn't take it anymore. With the help of a friend, she stuffed all her belongings into a couple of bags and she escaped. It was a tough decision but one she felt she had to make. Zainab moved to Los Angeles, California. She worked odd jobs to make ends meet, but life was hard. 
She called her mum in Iraq over and over, but the calls never went through. The United States had gone to war with Iraq, so all means of contact were cut off. Zainab watched on television as bombs crashed into the buildings of her hometown, fear burning in her throat and tears prickling her eyes. She had no idea if her family was alive. And then, one day, she received a letter. Zainab opened the envelope with trembling fingers. It was from Alia, her mother. She told Zainab that they had survived the war. Her mother, father and brothers were all still alive. God willing, Alia wrote, we will see you again. I have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called IF which stands for Imaginary Friends. Pretty cool, am I right? IF is so much fun, with lovable fuzzy giants and bright new galaxies. It stars Kaylee Fleming as B, a girl who discovers that she can see everyone else's ifs. Meanwhile, Cal, played by Ryan Reynolds, can also see ifs. Together, they team up and go on a magical adventure to reconnect forgotten ifs with their kids. IF is from the brilliant mind of writer-director John Krasinski. It also stars John Krasinski, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Maya Rudolph, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina, and Steve Carell, just to name a few. It celebrates the incredible power of curiosity and creativity, and it's definitely a laugh-out-loud adventure for the whole family. IF comes out in theaters starting May 17th and is guaranteed to knock your socks off. What? Oh, Penelope says she wears two pairs of socks at all times. Also, that imaginary friends get limitless refills on popcorn. So join us in the theater on May 17th. Bring your imaginary friends too! Just a few months after the war ended in 1991, Zainab moved to Washington, D.C. She had moved on from odd jobs in Los Angeles to finding work as a translator in the United States Capitol. There, she found a group of friends, a support system, who she could laugh with and play with. And, at a party one night, she even met a man and after a time decided to marry again. She was able to talk to him about her past and trust him with her future. His name is Amjad. Eventually, in 1993, they decided to get married. 
Zainab's mother was even able to fly to the United States to attend their wedding. Looking at her mother, Zainab saw a spark of the independent woman she once knew, and it filled her with hope. And as Zainab whirled around the dance floor in Amjad's arms, she felt like the luckiest girl in the world. But she would soon realize there was work to be done. Zainab and Amjad were happy, and when she went to college, he supported her decision. She majored in women's studies and international studies. There was so much to learn about the roles of government, the roles of women and girls around the world, and about the issues and challenges they faced. One day, soon after they were married, Zainab picked up a copy of Newsweek magazine. Her eyes widened as she read about the women who were being hurt in cruel and terrible ways by soldiers who were fighting a war in Bosnia-Herzegovina and Croatia. Zainab's eyes filled with tears. Soon, she was weeping. Amjad rushed into the room. She showed him the article. Zainab knew what it was like to live through war. She knew what it was like to be hurt by men who had power. And she was mad because none of this was fair. We have to do something, Zainab said as Amjad held her. So, the next week, Zainab called several women's groups, volunteering to support any projects they had with women in Bosnia and Croatia. Call us in six months, one woman told her. Maybe we'll be doing something then. Six months, Zainab thought. But these women need help now. So, Zainab came up with her own idea. She would make a sponsorship program for women survivors of war. Sponsors in the United States or other countries would send money each month for a survivor and they would also write letters of encouragement. Zainab and Amjad used the money they had been saving for their honeymoon to launch their new organization, which they called Women for Women in Bosnia, what would later become Women for Women International. First, Zainab and Amjad toured Croatia, listening to the survivors' experiences. They heard what these women had been through what they needed, what they dreamed about. There were so many difficult stories and it was hard, but hearing them only made Zainab more determined to help. After asking for permission, Zainab shared these survivor stories and soon women around the world were signing up to be sponsors. Later, Zainab expanded Women for Women's work introducing support groups, micro-loan programs, and job training. Zainab found herself giving her mother speeches to the women she met, sharing all the encouraging things her mother had ever said to her. And these women gave Zainab strength and courage as well. Courage to keep going, and eventually to tell her own story. As Women for Women grew, Zainab received numerous awards from governments, 
humanitarian organizations, and magazines. She chanted at big rallies. She gave interviews and spoke at conferences. Still, even as she told other women's stories, she kept her own secret. Eventually, it all caught up with Zainab. She became very depressed. Sometimes, she couldn't stop crying. Other times, she felt numb. Amjad convinced her to go to a therapist who helped her deal with all the big feelings she had. Finally, Zainab decided to break her own silence. She wrote a book about the pain her family experienced under Saddam Hussein, the man she called Amo, surviving Iraq's wars and leaving her abusive husband. Her book became a bestseller and Zainab finally felt free. After Saddam Hussein was captured in the early 2000s, during yet another war, Zainab returned to Iraq, this time to open a Women for Women office in Baghdad. There, in her grandfather's old abandoned house on the Tigris River, she covered the floor with cushions. She gathered women together to talk about their lives, support each other, and work to build a better Iraq. Zainab kept working as Women for Women CEO for many years. Under her leadership, the organization grew from helping 30 women in one country to serving more than 500,000 women in eight countries. Although Zainab left Women for Women International in 2011, her vision lives on in the organization which carries on its mission of supporting women survivors of war. Today, Zainab continues to advocate for women's rights and human rights around the world by telling her own and other women's stories. Zainab Salbi escaped tyrants, forged her own path, built her own future. She created a space for women to tell their stories. And when she did, it helped her to find the voice to tell her own. Our stories have power. Your story has power. And we will roar together. This podcast is a production of Rebel Girls, Inc. It's based on the book series Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Executive producer is Katie Springer. This episode was produced, sound designed, and mixed by Camille Stennis, written by Alexis Stratton, and proofread by Ariana Rosas. Original theme music was composed and performed by Electra Barjaki. Special thanks to the whole Rebel Girls team who make this podcast possible. For more, visit rebelgirls.com. Until next time, stay rebel! Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right. You can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. 
Thanks for listening.